about goats. Yes, sir, goats. You do know, by the way, what reality show the goat went on to find true love. The Bachelor. And what do you call a goat that swims really fast? A motor goat. And what do you call a goat that is always cleaning up? A Roomba. <laughs> and what artist do goats love the most? Vincent van Gogh. Finally, there is an end. What did the goat that hated celebrating Christmas say? Bah, humbug. <clears throat> well, speaking of goats, you know, the sports world has an ongoing fascination with goats, it turns out. They don't mean goats as in the four-legged creatures. They mean greatest of all time, G-O-A-T. So in the sports world, they're always looking for the goat. In the world of hockey, it's got to be Wayne Gretzky. Here's a guy, a 20-year career, scored 894 goals in 1,487 games. Wow. In golf, it might be Tiger Woods with 82 wins. In basketball, Michael Jordan. But people talk about the greatest president of all time or the greatest inventor of all time, and it all takes us, I think, to a rather fascinating question. If you and I were alive at the time when Jesus walked our earth, and for some wonderful reason we had audience with him and could sit down with him and ask Jesus, Jesus who is the greatest human being of all time? I mean, wonder what he would say. Uh, maybe he would say, Abraham, here's a guy in his old age, he's promised a son. I mean, he's well past grandpa and great-grandpa years, and yet he's promised a son, and the Bible says he believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He's the father of the, of the Jewish nation. We're going to talk about that next week. But surely Abraham might be a candidate, right? What about Moses? Exodus 33.11 says this astounding thing about Moses. So the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Can you, can you imagine speaking to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend? Surely Moses would be on that list. Let's not forget about David. Acts tells us in chapter 13, 22, he was a man after God's own heart. Surely David would be a candidate. But what's the answer? And there is an answer. The answer is D, none of the above. I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, third gospel in your New Testament. We're going to dig for the answer there. Won't take us long. Jesus has met with friends of John the Baptist. He's been arrested by Herod, is sitting in jail. Let me just uh, clarify that. Very likely chained to the wall. I mean, how do you even itch yourself, scratch yourself, chained to the wall? A very nasty situation. And uh, let's begin reading at verse 24. This is a conversation that Jesus is having. When the messengers of John had left, he, that's Jesus, began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who are splendidly clothed and live in luxury are found in royal palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? 
Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I say to you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Well, there it is. Jesus' bold declaration of the greatest of all time. It's John the Baptist. Seems to me there are two kind of life-changing questions that blast off the pages of this passage. Question one, what made John the Baptist so great in the eyes of Jesus? What did Jesus see in this guy that he would make such an outrageous claim? I mean, was it his dress? We're told elsewhere in Scripture that he wore clothes made from camel's hair. I can't imagine that was real comfortable. Camel's hair. And, and then it says he, he had this strange diet. He ate locusts and wild honey. We've just come through the 17-year-old locust uh, cicada thing here. Can you imagine John the Baptist? Mmm. Sees a pile of those babies, reaches down, scoops them up, eats them. Thank you, dinner. I mean, question two. How can we be great in the eyes of Jesus? How can we be great in the eyes of Jesus? After all, Jesus says, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, referring to John the Baptist. Some of us are old enough to remember boxer Muhammad Ali. Anybody remember Muhammad Ali? What was his great claim? I am the greatest, the greatest of all time. He was really an interesting character. And of course, you know, uh, LeBron James, not to be outdone, made a similar claim in an episode of ESPN's More Than an Athlete. He claimed he was, quote, the greatest player of all time. I guess it's human to want to be great. It appeals to our flesh. It appeals to our pride, right? Our, our need for significance. But when Jesus calls John the Baptist the greatest of all time, the greatest of those ever born, He's not referring to skills or achievement or athletics. He's not talking about John's hopes and dreams and secret ambitions. He's talking about a different kind of greatness. I call it being godly great. And because Jesus promised that you and I could be greater than John the Baptist, I think we better find out what it means to be godly great. For answers, let's work backward in the story, earlier in the life and ministry of John the Baptist. I invite with, that you would uh, turn with me to John chapter 1. If you're newer to the Bible, this is the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to do right now what the people of the Old Testament did when the Word of God was read. If you're able, and not everybody's able, but if you're comfortable, if you're able, would you stand up as I read for us, starting at verse 19? All right? John 1, verse 19. We're going to stand up here. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites to him from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny. And this is what he confessed. I am not the Christ. And so they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? 
Tell us so that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, Make the way of the Lord straight, as Isaiah the prophet had said. And the messengers had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, said to him, Why then are you baptizing? If you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. John answered them saying, I baptize in water. But among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, of whom I am not worthy even to untie the strap of his sandal. These things took place in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing people. You can be seated now. Thank you for doing that, for showing respect to the word of God. I'd like to suggest this morning there are four keys to godly greatness shown in the life of John the Baptist. This text shows us the very first key if we want to be truly godly great. Key number one, accept your mission and do it. Verse 23, he that's John said, I am the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, make the way of the Lord straight as Isaiah the prophet said. John simply identified himself as a voice calling out. A voice that essentially says, get ready. That was his mission. Nothing more and nothing less. He clearly accepted it. The question is, what about us? I mean, what exactly is your mission? You thought about that? In what corner of God's kingdom are you right now serving? And are you living like that kingdom is Christ's? And not yours? I always get a little bit queasy when I hear people talking about my ministry. My ministry. Really? Really? Did you buy it? Did you invent it? Your ministry? Hmm. John the Baptist said, I am a voice. That's my mission. And I'm going to do it, period. A young preacher once approached Dr. F.B. Meyer and asked this world-famous preacher how he could one day become as influential and well-known as Dr. Meyer. And Dr. Meyer responded, don't waste your time waiting and longing for large opportunities which may never come, but faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. Boy, I fall down there handling those little things. Don't you? I do. I wonder, said poet Ruth Harms Calkin, I wonder. You know, Lord, how I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. Mm. You know how eagerly I speak for you in public. You know how I glow when I promote a trendy ministry. You know my genuine enthusiasm at a Bible study, but how would I react, I wonder, if you pointed to a basin of water and you asked me to wash the feet of a bent old woman day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew. John the Baptist accepted his mission and did it. So mark it down. The starting point for being godly great is to accept your mission, however small, however large, and just do it. Key number two, point others to Jesus every day. 
want to reconnect with John the Baptist the following morning after the scenario in which he was grilled by the Pharisees about his calling and his background. I'm going to continue reading it at John 1.29, but you can stay seated. This is brief. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he in behalf of whom I said after me, is coming a man who has proved to be my superior because he existed before me. Did you catch that phrase from John the Baptist? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let me ask in parentheses here, has he taken away your sins yet? It's one thing that he died on the cross to make that possible. But have you made that personal? If you haven't, it's like like somebody giving you a gift at Christmas and saying, that's wonderful, Beautifully wrapped package with a bow that you never unwrap. Is that gift yours? Not really. You haven't really owned it. So if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, today's the day. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John's passionate cry, his theme song was, Come, look at Jesus. You ever listen to an ad or think about a song maybe when you were growing up? It gets in your head and you can't get it out. You, it can't, you almost want to run away from yourself. That was John in this one statement. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Come look at Jesus. But you know, I think so often our passionate cry is, come look at me. Reminds me of the cartoon I saw of the famous gospel singer. He said, brothers and sisters... I'm about to sing for you this song that I believe the Lord himself gave me. The melody, the lyrics, I believe are divinely inspired. But brothers and sisters, if you make a copy illegally, if you should try to sell one copy of my song that the Lord gave me, I will take you to court, to the highest court, and sue you for every last penny you ever own to the glory of God. (laughs) Well, what's he really saying? Come look at me, right? I mean, we do need to honor copyright. We do. Jesus loved John because John said, come look at Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. More than that, we're told about John, I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. He was genuinely happy when others turned to Christ. Are we as excited? Do we get pumped? Heaven does. Jesus says in Luke 15, 7, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. One of the things I love about the Bible is it's just filled with juicy little details. Fantastic little details. It's really easy to overlook this one we're about to focus on right now. The story picks up in verse 35. Again the next day, We're still in chapter 1. John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. Did you catch that? On back-to-back days, John urges people, Behold, the Lamb of God. And some of them began to follow Jesus rather than John. Could I ask you this morning, when was the last time there were two back-to-back days when you told someone, hey, consider Jesus, behold the Lamb of God. 
Think about receiving Jesus. Can you, can you point to that? Hey, look at Jesus. Two days when you said something like that? If you want to be godly, great. Develop a passion for pointing others to Jesus. Key number three, don't try to be someone else. Don't try to be someone else. I, I just like to confess before you folks, uh, I sometimes have spent hours trying to be someone else. If I had my way, I would sit around and write books. That's what I would do. But you know what? God doesn't seem to have that for me. And maybe you're trying to do something that God hasn't called you to either. John 3.26, it says, They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. They're kind of concerned. To this, John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. You see, John clearly understood who he was and who he was not. I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. Is it possible we sometimes try to be mini-messiahs? We try to do ministries we're not cut out for? John never tried to be someone else. Can you imagine this chapter unfolding in our day? Imagine this. I mean, no doubt someone would decide they needed to be the agent for John the Baptist, a publicist. And can't you imagine the conversation between this agent uh, and, and, and J.B., John the Baptist? This is, this is how it would go down, I think. The agent says, yo, J.B., you've been owning Facebook for weeks now. More than one billion likes. Unbelievable. People just eat up your back-to-nature look. Camel's hair outselling every other fabric right now. And the ad team for Subaru wants to put you in some commercials for their Forester. Religious but rugged. But JB, JB, you better watch out. Watch your back. Who's this new guy? This Jesus. I mean, he comes from nowhere, and now he's owning Twitter and Snapchat, and the guy is blowing up Instagram. Well, what do you say, JB? A person can only receive what he's been given. From heaven. I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. Again, I ask today are you trying to be someone else, wishing someone else's ministry was your ministry? You want to be godly, great, don't try to be someone else. Be you for the glory of God. Jealousy always blinds you to the best things in life. Two shopkeepers. We're on opposite sides of the street, both retailers, and they were really stiff competitors. And, and they didn't really like each other. When one guy made a big sale, he waved at the window, out the window at this guy across the street, waving the receipt. And when his competitor made a sale, he too would wave that receipt almost with a fist. They were stiff competitors, so jealous of each other. And one night, an angel appeared to one of the store owners and said, Look, I will grant you whatever you would like, but just know that whatever you ask for, your competitor will receive twice as much. So if you want to be rich, he'll be twice as rich. 
You want to live a long life and be real healthy? He'll live much longer and be much more healthy. So what's it going to be? What's your decision? And the guy frowned for a minute and he thought and he, and he finally said, all right, here's my request. Strike me blind in one eye. <laughs> to be godly great, skip the envy. Don't try to be someone else. But there's another key. Key number four, make Jesus large and yourself small. John 3, verse 29, he who has the bride is the groom, but the friend of the groom who stands and listens to him rejoices greatly because of the groom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. The one who is only from the earth is of the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Imagine you're, you're at a wedding and the bridal party walks down the aisle. You know, you've got the various folks, the ring bearer and the flower girl. But imagine now the best man takes his place. It's just the best man, right? And as he finally stands in position on the platform, he throws a big cue to the sound booth for this enormous fanfare for him. Yeah. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? I mean, but that's exactly what we do when we steal the glory from Jesus. It's not about us. If you want to be great for Jesus, godly great, You'll need to see Jesus as large and yourself as small. Jesus himself said, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Mark 9.35. F.B. Meyer says, The only hope of a decreasing self is an increasing Christ. There's too much of the self-life in us all. But what could be easier to say, right? What could be more difficult to live? Make Jesus large and yourself small. That's what John the Baptist did. There was once a, a young pastor, and quite frankly, his sermons really were several cuts above the average, and as his church began to swell, so did his head, quite honestly. And one day after a, a sermon, uh, a lady came up to him, Mrs. Jones, and she said, Well, pastor... You know, you're, you are really getting to become one of the greatest Bible teachers of our generation. Well, thank you, ma'am, he said with fake humility. On the drive home, he's with his wife, and he says, you know, I, I had a conversation with Mrs. Jones today, and you know what she said? She said, I'm becoming one of the greatest Bible teachers of our generation. His wife is strangely silent. And he, it's an awkward moment, and, 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 and he's kind of animated and sort of proud to the point of arrogant, and, and so he's kind of fishing for affirmation. He says, you know, honey, I, I wonder exactly how many, you know, great, really great Bible teachers are there in our generation? She answers, one less than you think there are. <laughs> to be truly great, godly great, You'll need to make Jesus large and yourself small. It means we stop consuming ourselves with ourselves.
It means we stop consuming ourselves with the thought, how will this make me look, my reputation, my standing, my, my image? It means we start consuming ourselves with the thought, how will this make Jesus look, his image, his standing, his reputation? Robert Morrison, a missionary to China, said, the great fault, I think, in our mission is that no one likes to be second. (laughs) Isn't that true? J. Oswald Sanders observes, the world is yet to see what could happen if everyone lost the desire to get the glory. Wouldn't it be a marvelous place if nobody cared who got the credit? If you want to be great for Jesus, godly great, you'll need to see Jesus as large and yourself is small. Sam Rayburn served as Speaker of the House of Representatives for 17 years. That is a record. 17 years. And of course, that's a very powerful position. In that role, you are third in line in the succession to the Presidency of the United States. And Anyway, one day, this, this Sam Rayburn learned that the teenage daughter of a reporter that he'd gotten to know, become friends with, his teenage daughter had died. And uh, early the next morning, Sam Rayburn knocked on the door of this reporter's home. And when the door opened, Rayburn asked if there was something he could do. And the reporter guy says, uh, I mean, I don't think there's anything you can do. We're, we're making all the arrangements. And uh, uh, you know those very awkward conversations? And Rayburn said, well, what about coffee? Have you had your morning coffee yet? And the reporter goes, well, I, no, I, 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 no, we, we haven't. I guess we haven't had time. I, no. Rayburn says, well, at least I can, I could come in and make coffee for you. He said, all right. So he invited him in, and Rayburn goes to work making the coffee. And as the, as this reporter watches this powerful man making him coffee, he suddenly remembers something, and he says, Mr. Speaker, I thought you were supposed to be having breakfast one-on-one with the president this morning at the White House. Rayburn says, well, I was, but uh, I called the president, and I told him I had a friend who was in trouble, and I couldn't come. Sam Rayburn turned down breakfast with the president of the United States to make coffee for a grieving friend. That is making yourself small. If you want to be not just great, but godly great, accept your mission and do it. Point others to Jesus. Don't try to be somebody else. Make Jesus large and yourself small. Let's pray. Lord, it's It's pretty easy to say these things, but it's not so easy to do them, to live them. We don't want to be fakes. We don't want to be Christians on paper. We'd like you to be large and us small. Lord, would you help us do that? Would you help us point others to Jesus, to accept our mission and do it? What does that mean for us individually? Show us a change we need to make even this day. We commit this message, this passage, and we thank you for the life of John the Baptist who unswervingly, untiringly said, 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.